Hello, I'm June Thomas, welcoming you to The Afterword, a brand new podcast in which I'll be talking with the authors of new non-fiction books. My guest today is Steve Kleinedler, who is the executive editor of the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, which just released its fifth edition. Steve is visiting from Philadelphia, and he was kind enough to stop by the Slate offices in New York to talk with me today. Steve, am I right in translating your title, executive editor, to mean that you're the head word nerd at the American Heritage Dictionary? That's one way of putting it. I'm definitely a a word nerd. Um, I'm the executive editor, but I am completely indebted to all of my staff who uh, are just as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, as a... Word nerdy? Yes, just yes. as word nerdy as you. And listeners, just so you know, like you might think lexicographer, it sounds like an old dude in tweed and like with a deer stalker. Steve is totally hip. He's wearing plaid. So know that. It's cold. It's flannel. <laughs> flannel. Thank you. So you've just released this new fifth edition on November 1st. What exactly does that mean? Adding words? Well, the fourth edition came out in 2000. Okay. And obviously the dictionary doesn't stagnate for all that time. So throughout the past 11 years, we've been adding new material on a more accelerated basis the past several years. But over the course of that time, we have added uh, 10,000 new words and senses of words to this. And so part of that was, again, creating that content. On top of that, we revised tens of thousands of existing words. And then at some point, all of that is uh, transferred from electronic format onto paper. And then there's the whole process of putting an actual 2,100-page book together. Now, when you say you've been adding words, you mean in other printings between the fourth and the fifth edition? There were a few printings in between, and we were able to add a handful of words Uh each time, um, usually a couple dozen, maybe up to 100, Uh but they have to be fit into an existing print page, which um, requires some fancy editing. Most of them, well over 90% of that new material existed solely in our database Ah. and is now in this print edition and in our uh, electronic versions. So let's get to some of those 10,000 new words that you've added. I was a little sorry to see asshat, if only because it's such an awesome word, but it loses its impact if the more people use it. Well, you can still use ass clown, which we didn't enter. Ah, Um, So that still has the cachet of not being included. That word has certainly grabbed everyone's attention. (laughs) And it's completely the case that we have added hundreds, if not thousands of words from the sciences, new foods, uh, new kinds of clothing, and only a small amount of slang. Uh, You know, there are certainly slang dictionaries out there. This doesn't purport to be a slang dictionary. But there are, there is a handful of words such as uh, asshat that make their way in due to their ubiquitousness or their use in all kinds of media. It's really hard to imagine somebody looking that up because it's clear that it is slang, even if you don't know exactly the origin of it. I don't think anybody needs a picture in the dictionary to know what an asset. There is no uh, picture. (laughs) I I, I should point out it's a wonderfully illustrated full-color book. Um, There is no... uh, art that goes along with the entry for asshat. <laughs> what makes asshat interesting is uh, the etymology. And our etymologist was sensational. A large percentage of the etymologies for this book, well, in addition to all the new words that went in, a lot of the existing ones were completely overhauled. Our etymologist knows I I think I can say dozens of languages, but Indic ones, Chinese, Japanese, Arabic, and some of the etymologies are very expansive. And this one, of course, has a whimsical etymology (laughs) uh, done in true dictionary style. Um, Asshat comes from ass plus hat in (laughs) reference uh, to such expressions as to have one's head up one's ass. I gotcha. 
where it would be extra hard to wear a hat, but it, it is a lovely concept. Now, I had not heard of the word acorn. Yes. Tell me what that means and, and also what its origin is. Well, and, and we should spell it, I guess, because oh, it sounds... Oh, yes. E-G-G-C-O-R-N. Egghorn is a word primarily used by linguists to talk about uh, the phenomenon, which I will describe in a minute. There is a wonderful uh, website called The Language Log that is moderated by uh, several uh, linguists. Most of them are colleagues of mine. Mm-hmm. And egghorn was a term that was coined by uh, one of the linguists who contributes there, uh, Jeffrey Pullum. And what an egghorn is, is a series of words that result from misunderstanding a word or phrase as a different word or phrase having and having a plausible explanation, such as free reign for free reign, R-E-I-G-N versus mm-hmm. R-E-I-N. You could see how the incorrect one could be plausible. Right. Or the, the classic one, uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet, uh, the line, um, to the manor born, M-A-N-O-R, in place of to the manor, M-A-N-N-E-R, mm-hmm. born. And egghorn itself is a uh, egg corn for acorn when it is taken as egg plus corn. (laughs) So it's a nerdy word that word nerds use to discuss other words. So it's basically words that are mistaken for other words, but which have a sort of conceivable meaning. Yes. Like the way that we mishear song lyrics. Yes, exactly. Listeners, you may not know this, but I'm taking these words from a little handout that was given from sort of a a smattering of the new words, because it's obviously hard to just pick them out when you're just flipping through the dictionary. But there was one that was brought out that was uvulopalatopharyngeoplasty. That's pretty close. Uh, <laughs> I won't try again, but now the reason it, it's apparently a surgical procedure for treating sleep apnea, but I was surprised only because given how many you know medical breakthroughs there are, it must be very difficult to know which ones of these to add. So maybe not the specifics of this particular word, but just in general, how do you decide which, for example, medical procedures, medical breakthroughs operations? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, We had a medical doctor on staff during the development of this project, and um, she was responsible for um, determining just that. She has an MD and uh, a a background in medicine, so she, and along with consultants in specialty areas, would help make the call as to uh, what should go in and what should not. You also added some new words from the world of business. Tell me about presenteeism. Well, he's bringing out the big book. I am bringing out the seven-and-a-half-pound book because uh, I don't have that one, <laughs> and, which is funny because I actually remember working on this word. <laughs> but if I'm going to quote it, I, I, I want to make sure I get the definition Now, how many right. words are in the dictionary? Nowadays, people talk about character count because ah. different companies present words in different ways. Uh-huh. And so we talk about um, bold-faced forms because some companies – will enter a noun separate from the verb. Others put it together. So when you count the headwords and the inflections and the run-on forms, all those bold-faced forms as we call them, there's over 200,000. Wow. Okay. So it's not surprising. You need to look it up. Yes. So um, uh, presenteeism is the the practice of reporting to work despite illness or the inability to focus productively on one's job, Uh meaning you're there, but you're not really there. You're you're, you're mentally out of it, but you're showing up anyway because you have to. Now that I hear that I realize that it's a it's it comes from absenteeism or it's, it's kind of the opposite. It's a riff or, on absenteeism, right. absolutely. But somehow I don't, I'm not sure that I would have known that without looking it up in the dictionary. Now, what about witching hour? Witching hour, um, the newer sense, the business sense would be the hour before the closing of the stock market on the third Friday of the month wow. when two or more classes of options or futures expire, uh, known for its high trading volume and volatile prices. Ten thousand words were added. 
Now, some must have been lost, right? Yes, and I should point out 10,000 words and senses. Some existing mm. words have new – it's like witching hour. Yeah. There used to be the original sense there of the hour after midnight when mm. supernatural events occur. We didn't have to take out as much as you'd think. First of all, when you make slight design changes, if you can save a character a line over 2,100 pages, mm. that adds up considerably. So there, there were some uh, design changes made and there was uh, there's also slightly less essay material in the front matter giving mm. us some more pages. So we were able to put in a lot more than we took out. That said, yes, some things do come out. One reason we try not to put in much slang to begin mm. with is invariably it becomes dated and right. needs to come out. Right. We will look at obsolescent phrases. We're more likely to take out a compound word, you know, oh. two words with a space yes. in between it, than we are an actual word. A good example of that would be cassette memory. Now that you store data on storage devices that have far greater capacity than cassettes. It's not as important a compound. Uh-huh. We still include the computer sense of cassette uh-huh. and the computer sense of memory, but we don't need the compound cassette memory. Does it really matter what dictionary you use? I suppose the dictionary I use most is the one that is involved in Microsoft Word because the little red squiggle comes under your word. Is there really much of a difference between one dictionary and another? Uh, There are differences. One area, well, a couple areas uh, where the American Heritage Dictionary stands out. One, if you are a fan of word histories or etymology, Mm -hmm. it it is the case that our etymologies are, I think, the most expansive. Uh, A lot of our competitors... just to be clear, an etymology is is the... the history of the word, how it came into English, Mm -hmm. whether it was through another language, Mm -hmm. from Middle English or however. Whereas most of our competitors will tell you what year a word first entered English or Middle English, Mm. we're less concerned about the year it entered, but rather, and we're more concerned with the path, how it entered. And where Mm. possible, we take the word back all the way to Proto-European, which is the the language family that encompasses most of the languages of Western Europe and India. If you are at all interested in the history of words or you're a scholar uh, researching this, it is invaluable. So there are differences. You're listening to The Afterword, a new Slate podcast about non-fiction books and their authors. Houghton Mifflin Harcourt has been kind enough to send us three copies of the new fifth edition of the American Heritage Dictionary. It's very generous of them because this is a big, beautiful seven-pound book. If you'd like one, send an email to slateafterword at gmail.com by December 23rd and we'll choose three lucky winners at random. We'll contact the lucky responders so that we can get their postal address. And if you have any other feedback about the podcast, please send it to the same address, slateafterword at gmail.com. Steve Kleinelder of the American Heritage Dictionary is here with us today. Steve, the publicity materials of this new fifth edition asks... They don't say, but they ask if this will be the last print dictionary ever made. When I mentioned that to a friend who often works as a copy editor, she was horrified. She said that some books, the Bible, the joy of cooking, the dictionary, there should be a law that they're always in print. Do you think the print dictionary is doomed? Uh, I really don't. While it is the case that many people get this information online, there is something to be said about having the print dictionary in front of you. It's a visceral experience. You you know, you immerse yourself in this book. This one being 2,100 pages and seven and a half pounds, uh, when you look up something, you inevitably get lost on the page and find something else. And you start reading about another word and you read about a usage note or the history of another word. And the next thing you know, you know, you've spent 
three hours uh, immersed in it. In you know, in the in the words of web advertisers, it's very sticky. Yes. Once you go in, you want to stay there and uh, explore for a while. And if you don't, you should. This new edition, though, has does come with a, a smartphone app, which as we're talking, isn't yet approved, but will be approved by Apple any day now. Why did you do that and how does the app work? Well, um, actually, the fourth edition was available oh. as an app too. That contains the full contents of the dictionary, oh. all the notes, all the word histories and everything. There's also a uh, free online version at ahdictionary.com. That includes just the definitions. It doesn't have any of the notes or histories or anything, but it will give you the definition of a word. Now, one of the things that is available online at ahdictionary.com is pronunciations, which I find very useful because it's one thing to learn what a word means, but if you say it wrong, you've kind of lost the advantage of that. How do you decide on those pronunciations? For the existing ones, I mean, they've been handed down over the generations. Uh, and then for other things, for we, we added a lot of uh, clothing of South Asia. At the time, I was uh, working out of our Boston office, and I, would, I went down to Newbury Street where there are people from South Asia selling mm-hmm. their wares, and I would talk to them and like listen to how they pronounced it. Uh-huh. For words where there's debate, we have our usage panel, which is a... Which uh, is full of amazingly prominent Writers and scientists. Yeah, close to 200 writers and authors and journalists and uh, language teachers, linguists, poets, mm-hmm. people who work with language. We will send out a ballot with uh, a variety of questions on diction and pronunciation and grammar, and we will report on their findings. I also noticed that in the margins of the book, you often repeat the guide. American dictionaries use a system by which, for example, an A with a little cup over it, known as a brev, sounds like the A in pat. So uh-huh. Depending on what part of the country, whether you say pat or pat or (laughs) wherever you're from, you can key that in. It's different from the IPA system, which is used over much of the rest of the world, which is uh, phonetic. Every symbol has one sound. Now, this is a large book. It's, as we've said before, it's seven and a half pounds. It's got 2,100 pages. It's it's hefty. You know, it's, it's, it's on a large format. As one of my colleagues said, there's a benefit to that, the size of the book really represents the extent of the English language. But it is huge. It takes up a lot of space. It's almost too big for a desk. I mean, it, what's it the big. thinking there? I, I've been lugging it around Manhattan today, so I, I'm well aware of its uh, <laughs> size. Um, and you mentioned desk. It is meant to be used at a desk. I know some families have those little uh, stands mm. that you leave it open and displayed on, and it's beautiful enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is beautifully appointed. You know, it is meant as a resource for your home and, or office. I don't think anyone would want to tote this around in a backpack around town. And then again, that's another reason for the app right. is uh, you can easily cart it on your phone. On every page, there are a couple of illustrations or, or photographs, usually color. As I kind of use the dictionary, especially for things like musical instruments that I wasn't familiar with or types of clothing, for example, um, a shrug, It's difficult to describe, but very clear once you see the photo at the side. How many of those photographs and illustrations do you have and kind of what's the philosophy of choosing whether to add them? Well, there are close to 5,000. Um, wow. Yeah. And one reason they're in the margin is, A, they stand out and it, um, it makes copy fitting easier yes. too when you're not uh, juggling art within the text. Right. You know, that reminds me just of a perhaps a frivolous question, but dictionaries are one of the few types of books that have the little tabs at the side. Obviously, it does sort of tell you where the letter falls. Yes. But isn't there another reason? Doesn't it also stop the book getting all crumbed up by our fingers? I never thought of that, but um, 
that sounds very plausible. I'll buy that. <laughs> I, I, I will agree with that. All right. Now, my final question to you. I was once a copy editor and to the extent that I had a, a favorite two-page spread, for me it was where Hard Ass was on the top of the left-hand page and Hare Krishna was on the top of the right-hand page. Now, do you have a favorite two-page spread? Oh, my gosh. When we, when we put this together, we have so much fun seeing what randomly occurs. <laughs> I have a list somewhere uh. <laughs> of um, fun ones that we've had. But, you know, just grabbing at random here yes. on page uh, 1070, man trap map. <laughs> How cool is uh, that? No, no, this actually, though, on your dictionary, you have the sort of the first word on the page and the last word on the page. That right? is correct. Uh, because I'm more used to just having the first word on the page. Um, I think it's because it's so big yeah. and there's so much yeah. that, and, I mean, you, you know, you can do, and in some of our smaller titles, um, we do do that. There, there are some really great ones. We've had people write us poetry based on um, guide words. He can't stop looking for his I favorite guide words. This is so words. much fun. Um, <laughs> now, pumpkin been... seed punic. Wow. Well, that doesn't really say anything, but it's still no, fun it's to say. No, it's poetry. Pleasing pleopod. What's a pleopod? Uh, it is another word for a swimmerette. A swimmerette? A swimmerette is a... Um, a swimmerette is one of the paired abdominal appendages of many aquatic crustaceans. So like the crab's middle legs? Such as shrimp and lobsters that are used in swimming and in females for uh, carrying eggs. Do you have a favorite word? I get asked that a lot and I should probably just lie and <laughs> say just I have one, one and I don't. It's like asking a carpenter if he has a favorite nail. Or asking a, a mother of many children which one is her favorite. Yes. Um, actually, I have a colleague who um, in the industry who would answer this question by saying but, – but she wouldn't give an answer saying the other word's feelings would be hurt. <laughs> And I think that's a great response. Still, re- listeners, he's still flipping. He can't I am. stop this flipping. This is fascinating. <laughs> I, I, I can't be the only person who does this. Um, I, 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 I wished I had that list with me because there's some really cool ones. He's still looking. He's still looking. He can't, he can't tear himself away. I'm putting it down now. I'm putting the dictionary down. All right, Steve, thanks once again for doing this and coming into our office. I really enjoyed our chat. That was Steve Kleinedler, executive editor of the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, which just released its fifth edition and it's available in bookstores now. If you have any comments about our discussion, send them to slateafterword at gmail.com. Our engineer was Chris Wade. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. Thanks for listening. Listening to the afterword for Slate.com, I'm June Thomas.